Green Mountain Chronicles was originally produced for radio by the Vermont Historical Society in the 1980s. We're re-releasing them today as retro podcasts. Please note that any resources the podcast recommends may be out of date. We recommend you check out our website, vermonthistory.org, for the most up-to-date information. Green Mountain Chronicles number 32, Senator Ralph Flanders. This is one of the many ways in which the military arm of our government is taking over the affairs of our everyday life and bending them to the purposes of national defense. That is to say, our government is becoming one in which the requirements of the military arm have the first say in all matters related... He was certainly Vermont. He was just as dry and un, unassuming in his in his looks as as anybody in in politics his manner of speaking was very diffident and hesitating and uh, he just didn't look like the forceful person that he actually was 1946 an inventor industrialist ralph flanders becomes vermont's junior united states senator Born in Barnet in 1880, Flanders became an engineer at the Jones and Lamson Machine Tool Company in Springfield in 1912. Several successful inventions and his business acumen helped triple J&L's size and gain Flanders the presidency of the company. In 1940, Flanders, who was a deeply religious man, turned to politics, losing the Republican senatorial primary to George Aiken. But in 1946, Flanders fares better and joins Aiken in Washington. He said he was a liberal conservative. Flanders' daughter, Elizabeth Flanders Ballard. Conservative in fiscal things and a liberal in uh, human social things. I remember that he was voting against uh, NATO because he didn't think we could afford it. But... uh, Certainly, the McCarthy business was uh, social. The McCarthy business was Flanders' greatest claim to political fame, a series of speeches in the U.S. Senate in 1954 denouncing witch-hunting Wisconsin Senator Joseph McCarthy, then embarked upon an investigation of communists in the Army. Whenever he came home, the reporters were supposed to go and interview him. Kendall Wilde, now managing editor of the Rutland Herald, was a young reporter in 1954 and the first to learn that Flanders was to speak out against McCarthy in the Senate on March 9th. Almost accidentally, I asked him what his opinion was of the way McCarthy was carrying on. And he he said, oh, he said, well, I'm going to say something about that. So he told me about uh, his view of McCarthy as being a danger and not doing good for the for the country. I always thought he meant that, that McCarthy was a danger to the s- system of government. He considered McCarthy and his tactics the sort of harassment that the Nazis were were had the reputation of doing before the war in Germany to disrupt the opposition. For the next several months, Wilde sequestered himself in Springfield's Hartness House, watching the Army McCarthy hearings on TV. On June 11th, he saw Flanders approach McCarthy. He certainly didn't dominate the scene. He just sort of had a piece of paper in his hand and stepped into the light and handed it to McCarthy. Uh, That was the notice that they were going to say something on the floor of the Senate. McCarthy was prone to 
complained that people said things and and had breached senatorial courtesy by not letting him know ahead of time. So this was a formal notice that something was going to be said. That afternoon, Flanders again spoke in the Senate, this time introducing a resolution calling for McCarthy's removal from his committee chairmanships. A month later, following strong senatorial opposition, Flanders changed the resolution to one calling for McCarthy's censure. On December 2nd, after months of debate, the Senate voted 67 to 22 to condemn McCarthy. A quiet senator from a tiny state had brought about the downfall of the most feared man in contemporary American history. He was not terribly prominent in the actual hearings that took place when they were deciding whether to censure him or not. Flanders' role, as far as I know, was just being the initiator and the gadfly of the sentiment against Joe McCarthy. Thanks for listening. This podcast was remastered by me, Amanda Gustin, and released by the Vermont Historical Society. If you've enjoyed it, please subscribe to get future episodes and rate and review it. Please also check out our website, vermonthistory.org, where you can find background information on these episodes, as well as other ways you can learn about Vermont history from home. The Vermont Historical Society relies on support from generous donors to preserve and share Vermont's stories. During these uncertain times, your support is needed now more than ever. Please consider donating today at vermonthistory.org donate.